Chapter Twenty Six of The Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter Twenty Six. The Peril and the Pluck of Cap. Who that had seen her form so light, for swiftness only turned, would e'er have thought in a thing so slight such a fiery spirit burned? Very dreary looked the dark and silent passages as they went on toward Capitola's distant chamber. When at last they reached it, however, and opened the door, the cheerful scene within quite reanimated Capitola's spirits. The care of her little maid had prepared a blazing wood fire that lighted up the whole room brightly, glowing on the crimson curtains of the bed and the crimson hangings of the windows opposite, and flashing upon the high mirror between them. Capitola, having secured her room in every way, stood before her dressing bureau and began to take off her collar, undersleeves, and other small articles of dress. As she stood there with her mirror, brilliantly lighted up by both lamp and fire, reflected clearly the opposite bed, with its warm crimson curtains, white coverlet, and little pitapat flitting from post to post as she tied back the curtains or smoothed the sheets. Capitola stood unclasping her bracelets and smiling to herself at the reflected picture, the comfortable nest in which she was so soon to curl herself up in sleep. While she was smiling thus, she tilted the mirror downwards a little for her better convenience. And looking into it again, horror! What did she see reflected there? Under the bed, a pair of glaring eyes watching her from the shadows. A sick sensation of fainting came over her, but mastering the weakness, she tilted the glass a little lower, until it reflected all the floor, and looked again. Horror of horrors! There were three stalwart ruffians, armed to the teeth, lurking in ambush under her bed. The deadly inclination to swoon returned upon her, but with a heroic effort she controlled her fears and forced herself to look. Yes, there they were. It was no dream, no illusion, no nightmare. There they were, three powerful desperadoes, armed with bowie knives and revolvers, the nearest one crouching low and watching her with his wolfish eyes that shone like phosphorus in the dark. What should she do? The danger was extreme. The necessity of immediate action imminent, the need of perfect self-control absolute. There was Pitapat flitting about the bed in momentary danger of looking under it. If she should, their lives would not be worth an instant's purchase. Their throats would be cut before they should utter a second scream. It was necessary, therefore, to call Pitapat away from the bed, where her presence was as dangerous as the proximity of a lighted candle to an open powder barrel. But how to trust her voice to do this? A single quaver in her tones would betray her consciousness of their presence to the lurking robbers and instantly prove fatal. Happily, Capitola's pride and own courage came to her aid. Is it possible, she said to herself, that after all I am a coward and have not even nerve and will enough to command the tones of my own voice? Fie on it! Cowardice is worse than death. And summoning all her resolution, she spoke up glibly Patty, come here and unhook my dress. Yes, miss, I will just as soon as I get your slippers from underneath of de bed. I don't want them. Come here this minute and unhook my dress. I can't breathe. Plague take these country dressmakers. They think the tighter they screw one up, the more fashionable they make one appear. Come, I say, and set my lungs at liberty. Yes, miss, in one minute, said Pitapat, and to Capitola's unspeakable horror, the little maid stooped down and felt along under the side of the bed, from the headpost to the footpost, until she put her hands upon the slippers and brought them forth. Providentially, the poor little wretch had not for an instant put her stupid head under the bed or used her eyes in the search. That was all that saved them from instant massacre. 
Here day is, Caterpillar. I knows how your foots must be as much out of breath with your tight gaiters as your waist is long of your tight dress. Unhook me, said Capitola, tilting up the glass, lest the child should see what horrors were reflected there. The little maid began to obey, and Capitola tried to think of some plan to escape their imminent danger. To obey the natural impulse, to fly from the room, would be instantly fatal. They would be followed and murdered in the hall before they could possibly give the alarm. And to whom could she give the alarm, when there was not another creature in the house except Mrs. Condiment? While she was turning these things over in her mind, it occurred to her that man's extremity is God's opportunity. Sending up a silent prayer to heaven for help at need, she suddenly thought of a plan. It was full of difficulty, uncertainty, and peril, affording not one chance in fifty of success, yet the only possible plan of escape. It was to find some plausible pretext for leaving the room, without exciting suspicion, which would be fatal. Controlling her tremors, and speaking cheerfully, she asked, "'Patty, do you know now whether there were any of those nice quince tarts left from dinner?' "'Lor, yes, miss, a heap on em. Old miss put em away in her cupboard.' "'Was there any baked custard left?' "'Lor, yes, miss Caterpillar. Dere was nobody but we dens three. And think I could eat up all as was left?' "'I don't know, but you might.' "'Well, is there any pear sauce?' "'Yes, miss, a big bowlful. "'Well, I wish you'd go down and bring me up a tart, "'a cup of custard, and a spoonful of pear sauce. "'Sitting up so late makes me as hungry as a wolf. "'Come, Patty, go along.' "'Deed, miss, I's fraid,' whispered the poor little maid. "'Afraid of what, you goose? "'Fraid of meeting a ghost in the dark places. Pooh, you can take the light with you. "'I can stay here in the dark well enough. "'Deed, miss, I's fraid.' "'What, with the candle, you blockhead? "'Lors, miss, de candle wouldn't be no tection. "'I'd see de ghosts all de plainer with de candle. "'What a provoking stupid dolt! "'You are a proper maid, afraid to do my bidding, "'afraid of ghosts, forsooth. "'Well, I suppose I shall have to go myself. "'Plague on you for an aggravating thing. "'There, take the candle and come along,' said Capitola, "'in a tone of impatience. "'Pitapat took up the light and stood ready to accompany her mistress.' Capitola, humming a gay tune, went to the door and unlocked and opened it. She wished to withdraw the key, so as to lock it on the other side, and secure the robbers, and ensure the safety of her own retreat. But to do this without betraying her purpose, and destroying her own life, seemed next to impossible. Still singing gaily, she ran over in her mind, with the quickness of lightning, every possible means by which she might withdraw the key silently, or without attracting the attention of the watchful robbers. It is difficult to say what she would have done, had not chance instantly favored her. At the same moment that she unlocked and opened the door, and held the key in her hand, fearful of withdrawing it, Petipat, who was hurrying after her with the candle, tripped and fell against a chair, with a great noise, under cover of which Capitola drew forth the key. Scolding and pushing Petipat out before her, she closed the door with a bang. With the quickness of lightning she slipped the key in the keyhole and turned the lock, covering the hole with loud and angry railing against poor Pitapat, who silently wondered at this unhappy change in her mistress's temper, but ascribed it all to hunger, muttering to herself, "'I's often hearn how people's cross when they're empty. Lors knows if I don't fetch up a whole heap o' whittles every night for Miss Caterpillar from this time forward. So I will, deed me.' So they went on through the long passages and empty rooms, Capitola carefully locking every door behind her, until she got downstairs into the great hall." "'Now, Miss Caterpillar, if you wants quint tart and pear sass and baked cussets and all dem, you'll just has to go and wake old Miss up, case stays in her cupboard and she's got the keys,' said Pitapat. 
"'Never mind, Patty, you follow me,' said Capitola, going to the front hall door, and beginning to unlock it, and take down the bars and withdraw the bolts. "'Lors, miss, what is your a-doin' of?' asked the little maid, in wonder, as Capitola opened the door and looked out. "'I am going out a little way, and you must go with me.' "'Deed, miss, I's fraid. "'Very well, then, stay here in the dark until I come back. "'But don't go to my room, because you might meet a ghost on the way.' "'Oh, miss, I daren't stay here. "'Indeed, I daren't.' "'Then you'll have to come along with me, and so no more about it,' said Capitola sharply, as she passed out from the door. The poor little maid followed, bemoaning the fate that bound her to so capricious a mistress. Capitola drew the key from the hall door and locked it on the outside. Then, clasping her hands and raising her eyes to heaven, she fervently ejaculated, "'Thank God! Oh, thank God that we are safe!' "'Lors, miss, was we in danger?' "'We are not now at any rate, Pitapat. Come along,' said Capitola, hurrying across the lawn toward the open fields. "'Oh, my goodness, miss, where is your a-goin' of? Don't let us run so fur from home, dis lonesome, wicked, unlawful hour o' de night,' whispered the distressed little darky, fearing that her mistress was certainly crazed. "'Now, then, what are you afraid of?' asked Capitola, seeing her hold back. "'Lors, miss, you knows. Everybody knows. Brack Dunnell. "'Patty, come close. Listen to me. Don't scream.' "'Black Donald and his men are up there at the house, in my chamber, under the bed,' whispered Capitola. Pitapat could not scream, for though her mouth was wide open, her breath was quite gone. Shivering with fear, she kept close to her mistress's heels, as Capitola scampered over the fields. A run of a quarter of a mile brought them to the edge of the woods, where in its little garden stood the overseer's house. Capitola opened the gate, hurried through the little front yard, and rapped loudly at the door. This startled the house-dog into furious barking, and brought old Mr. Easy, with his night-capped head, to the window to see what was the matter. "'It is I, Capitola, Mr. Easy. Black Donald and his men are lurking up at the house,' said our young heroine, commencing in an eager and hurried tone, and giving the overseer an account of the manner in which he had discovered the presence of the robbers, and left the room without alarming them. The old man heard with many cries of astonishment, ejaculations of prayer, and exclamations of thanksgiving and all the while his head was bobbing in and out of the window, as he pulled on his pantaloons or buttoned his coat. "'And, oh,' he said at last, as he opened the door to Capitola, "'how providential that Mr. Herbert Grayson is a rove!' "'Herbert Grayson? Herbert Grayson arrived? Where is he, then?' exclaimed Capitola, in surprise and joy. "'Yes, certain. Mr. Herbert arrove about an hour ago, and thinking you all abed and asleep at the hall, he just stopped in with us all night.' "'I'll go and see. I doubt if he's gone to bed yet,' said Mr. Easy, withdrawing into the house. "'Oh, thank heaven, thank heaven!' exclaimed Capitola, just as the door opened, and Herbert sprang forward to greet her, with a, "'Dear Capitola, I am so glad to come to see you.' "'Dear Herbert, just fancy you have said that a hundred times over, and that I have replied to the same words a hundred times, for we haven't a moment to spare,' said Capitola, shaking his hands, and then, in an eager, vehement manner, recounting her discovery and escape from the robbers whom she had locked up in the house. "'Go now,' she said in conclusion, "'and help Mr. Easy to rouse up and arm the farmhands, and come immediately to the house. I am in agony, lest my prolonged absence should excite the robbers' suspicion of my ruse, and that they should break out and perhaps murder poor Mrs. Condiment. Her situation is awful if she did but know it. For the love of mercy, hasten!' Not an instant more of time was lost. Mr. Easy and Herbert Grayson, accompanied by Capitola and Patty, hurried at once to the negro quarters, roused up and armed the men with whatever was at hand. 
and enjoining them to be as stealthy as cats in their approach, set out swiftly for the hall, where they soon arrived. Take off all your shoes, and walk lightly in your stocking feet. Do not speak, do not breathe, follow me as silent as death, said Herbert Grayson, as he softly unlocked the front door and entered the house. Silently and stealthily they passed through the middle hall, up the broad staircase, and through the long, narrow passages and steep stairs that led to Capitola's remote chamber. There at the door they paused a while to listen. All was still within. Herbert Grayson unlocked the door, withdrew the key, and opened it and entered the room, followed by all the men. He had scarcely time to close the door and lock it on the inside, and withdraw the key, before the robbers, finding themselves surprised, burst out from their hiding-place and made a rush for the passage, but their means of escape had been already cut off by the forethought of Herbert Grayson. A sharp conflict ensued. Upon first being summoned to surrender, the robbers responded by a hailstorm of bullets from the revolvers, followed instantly by a charge of bowie-knives. This was met by an avalanche of blows from pickaxes, pokers, pitchforks, sledgehammers, spades, and rakes, beneath which the miscreants were quickly beaten down and overwhelmed. They were then set upon and bound with strong ropes brought for the purpose by Mr. E. Z. When they were thus secured, hand and foot, Capitola, who had been a spectator of the whole scene, and exposed as much as any other to the rattle of the bullets, now approached and looked at the vanquished. Black Donald certainly was not one of the party, who were no other than our old acquaintances, Hale, Steve, and Dick, of the band. Each burglar was conveyed to a separate apartment, and a strong guard set over him. Then Herbert Grayson, who had received a flesh wound in his left arm, returned to the scene of the conflict to look after the wounded. Several of the negroes had received gunshot wounds of more or less importance. These were speedily attended to. Mrs. Condiment, who had slept securely through all the fight, was now awakened by Capitola, and cautiously informed of what had taken place, and assured that all danger was now over. The worthy woman, as soon as she recovered from the consternation into which the news had plunged her, at once set about succoring the wounded. Cots and mattresses were made up in one of the empty rooms, and bandages and balsams prepared. And not until all who had been hurt were made comfortable did Herbert Grayson throw himself upon horseback, and ride off to the county seat to summon the authorities, and to inform Major Warfield of what had happened. No one thought of retiring to bed at Hurricane Hall that night. Mrs. Condiment, Capitola, and Patty sat watching by the bedsides of the wounded. Bill Easy and the men, who had escaped injury, mounted guard over the prisoners. Thus they all remained until sunrise, when the Major, attended by the deputy sheriff, and half a dozen constables, arrived. The night ride of several miles had not sufficed to modify the fury into which old Hurricane had been thrown by the news Herbert Grayson had aroused him from his sleep to communicate. He reached Hurricane Hall in a state of excitement that his factotum wool characterized as boiling. But, in the very torrent, tempest, and whirlwind of his passion, he remembered that to rail at the vanquished, wounded, and bound was unmanly, and so he did not trust himself to see or speak to the prisoners. They were placed in a wagon, and under a strong escort of constables, were conveyed by the deputy sheriff to the county seat, where they were securely lodged in jail. But old Hurricane's emotions of one sort or another were a treat to see. He bemoaned the sufferings of his poor wounded men, he raved at the danger to which his womankind had been exposed, and he exulted in the heroism of Capitola, catching her up in his arms and crying out, Oh, my dear Cap, my heroine, my queen, and it was you against whom I was plotting treason, ninny that I was, you that have saved my house from pillage and my people from slaughter. Oh, Cap, what a jewel you are, my dear. To all of which Capitola, extricating her curly head from his embrace, cried only, 
bother, utterly refusing to be made a lioness of, and firmly rejecting the grand triumph. The next day Major Warfield went up to the county seat to attend the examination of the three burglars, whom he had the satisfaction of seeing fully committed to prison to await their trial at the next term of the criminal court, which would not sit until October. Consequently, the prisoners had the prospect of remaining in jail some months, which Old Hurricane declared to be some satisfaction. End of chapter 26